If you just said this, right? I have to go out and down. Another hundred of your candidate. I'd, I, I, <laughs> you said saying, that. What I'm saying is, I'd have to take out. Okay, I'd take out Conor Whelan then. Conor Whelan I, to be. That's it. I quit. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan. You're listening to episode 35 and probably our last uh, Red 78 podcast of the season here on the Rugby Channel. Neve Briggs is alongside me back from our holidays. How was it, Neve? Lovely, Quinny. Bit of sun. The sun was good. Was did you get to watch the match on uh, Friday night? I, I did. Yeah, I was home back in Ireland on uh, Friday morning, so I, I got to watch it. Uh, I watched it again this morning, knowing that we were obviously doing this today, and uh, you're trying to find reasons or things that are, you know, that went awry, but um, it was an incredibly disappointing performance. Yeah, okay, we'll get into it in a minute. Um, disappointing end to the season, I think that was the biggest the biggest part of the last couple of weeks. Um, as always, we want the fans to be involved, and that was the whole idea of the, the podcast, to try and have a balanced view. Um, I put a tweet out yesterday, and um, we got a a quick, pretty quick response um, to what happened on, on Friday night. So just to, after this podcast, people can leave their own comments as well. And um, you've got some of the responses there, really. And uh, no doubt they're all going to be pretty disappointing. I looked at a lot of them last night. Yeah, hugely. But a big thing for me is that it's it's clear to see how much the fans love and engage and want Munster to do well. Because you put the suite out yesterday and we've like 85 comments today before we've, you know what I mean? And that's not even 25, 24 hours. So I think that that's really important that we know, but also the Munster rugby now, how important those fans are, because um, it, that's been the biggest eye opener for me. You've obviously seen it from a player point of view, how, you know, how the interaction with the fans has been so important. Whereas um, this year, it's just been incredible. The support has been unbelievable, even through, through disappointments like and, last and Friday. We've got, and, and we've got to listen to the fans. I think we've got yeah. to respect their point of views. Um, as I said from the start of this pod, we didn't want anything nasty or we want a balanced view and we've got to deal in reality. Um, I think this is obviously a harder job for us. If Munster won on Friday night, well, we'd be all positive today and we'd be able to look forward to a semi-final in South Africa at the weekend. But that's not the case. And I think we can't hide away from that the fact that it ended incredibly disappointing. The players, the coaches, they're hurting as well. We, we know that. But um, let's go through some of the responses and try yeah. and dissect the performance and look ahead to, to next year. So Patrick Hogan um, tweets quite a bit to us and it curates egg of a season, some great and some flat performances. Unfortunately, the last two were, were flat. So the season ends in disappointment. The new coaching ticket will bring some change, but, but will it be enough for sil- silverware? Either way, stand up and fight. Um, it, and, and that was kind of the general theme. People were obviously disappointed with the last couple of weeks, but also like, I'm really looking forward to next season, which is which is great. I think we've just got to draw a line under it, to be, to be fair. Adrian O'Donoghue, I've enjoyed the podcast, Alan and Eve. I hope you can do it uh, for the summer tour in New Zealand. They don't pay Alan enough for those big bucks for that to happen. Uh, Munster have started season well, but unfortunately haven't been able to produce Consistent play. New coaches will bring new life into Munster. Lost all confidence after Toulouse. 
Colin Power, let's quickly put it in the rearview mirror. The biggest moment of the season was a lo- was a loss, Alan. It's just not acceptable. The talk is that Munster won't be allowed to sign some front rows. Do you know anything about it? We are desperately in need of at least two front rowers. Well, I don't know anything about it. Um, I think uh, from an IRFU's point of view, there's an obvious um, issue there. I think uh, Kenya Knox and Roman Salanor are the obvious uh replacements to come through. John Ryan is leaving, going to Wasp. Stephen Archer um, has been around a long time and been a fantastic servant to Munster. Um, so I don't know. Um, the hooker, Chris Moore, is signed from Exeter University. He's only 19, played Irish under 18 clubs team in 2018. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I don't know if they'll be allowed to get someone in. Um, or if somebody will come in, so they're also we'll very to difficult that. to find. Let's so let's they're, just talk about that. Difficult to front find. Front rowers are, are a very rare breed. Like as in international class front rowers are a very rare breed, and that that's that's the big challenge. Yeah, that is the challenge. So I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, maybe they will be allowed to do something or find some player. I'm sure if they find a player uh, within Ireland, um, I think it'll be supported, but. As regards bringing in a big overseas, world-class, international front row, I don't know. I don't yeah. think it'll be allowed. Uh, Gary Bears for Miller. Poor end to the season. No fight in the last two games. Not Munster's DNA. Lots of work to do and a few players need it. World-class hooker and a tight head essential. Some that, senior that, players need to improve to move on. Neve, just on that, um, the fight of the players, that bothered me a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, I just... <sighs> I just thought the attitude was different and maybe it's because of Toulouse and the incredible fight and maybe that took out him. So that bothered me a little bit and I think that yeah, was, I players got to own that a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree, 100%. Uh, you also finishes with two, three-year three rebuild. Fans need to be patient. Nick, I'm looking forward to next year. I'll leave it at that. Everybody's similar, same. Patter Hagerty, Johan Van Grand should have left when he announced, but the core issue with Munster is management. The whole concert, culture and Munster needs to change. Sack CEO and pay good money to bring Kidney back as director of rugby. Otherwise, a promising new coaching team and young talent are handcuffed from the off. And there was a couple about that in relation to top to bottom, things that need to change from a board level. Um. It just feels it's impossible to play yourself out of contention with this coaching setup. If you're not to the level, you should be dropped no matter who you are. We need competition to drive standards. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? You need more mm. depth, you need more quality. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's blatantly obvious. I think the comment there, which kind of hit home to me when I saw it last night from one of the tweeters, um, we've got to be patient now, a two or three year plan. My God. It's been a number of years, hasn't it? I know, um, I know, Quinny, you're right. But that's but our reality now. That's what we. That is, that's what I was going to say. And, yeah. and are they good enough? That's the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we talked all all through the start of this season in relation to the pressure it means to play for Munster, the expectation that goes with it. You know, maybe maybe well, maybe the players or you know aren't as good as what's gone before, or maybe the level of competition and game has evolved so much. But the players, you know, are just a little bit behind that. You know what I mean? Again, I, I it's don't know. something. We, again, it's something we get into in a few minutes. Um, should they have been coached better? Are they? Did they get the best out of themselves? All that kind of stuff. We will cover that. 
Um, Paul Raster, best coaching performance this season was by Ian Costello when everyone else was locked up. Surely that's t- telling us something. Um, and that there was a couple of, in relation to that, in relation to that Scarlet's game and that Wasps game. Martin Brommel, I think the coaches have covered over some of the player poor performances and big games over the last few seasons. Munster clinging onto this so-called DNA. This team needs to find its own DNA and not try and copy what's gone before. A clean sweep required a fresh start. I don't think anyone's trying to copy what went on before. I think they're just trying to win. Get a team that can be consistent, get enough quality and get enough players on the Irish team. Because when you have players on the Irish team, well, you're doing something right at provincial level and you have top quality players then that play in the big games. So um, I don't think there's any... This stuff about legacy and the teams gone by that I played in about winning Heineken Cups... Very, I, I've spoken about that and some people misconstrue what I say um, we'd, we'd love more all the ex-players that they create their own legacy and be winning European Cups themselves and there's extra pressure on it there's extra expectation um, and that's difficult for some of the players and you look at Keith Earls Stephen Archer uh, Conor Murray Peter O'Mahony um, those players that were involved kind of towards the end of an era if you like um, I know the last time we won the the Heineken Cup was 08, but in 2011, the Pro 14, um, we won it. Um, so they had a taste of what that that older group, if you like. Um, it's very difficult. They've had to kind of go through a, a number of years of that pressure and expectation. Sometimes it's unfair. So um, trying to replicate what's in the past is 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 a bit unfair, I think, because I don't think they sit down and say, we want to be like the 08 team. I think they're trying to get the best out of themselves. And I think their um, intentions are incredibly good. I think there's been a lot of chopping. We had Billy Holland on the podcast a few months ago. There's been a lot of chopping and changing with coaches. Um, I think there's there's obviously, I think, a need in the modern game to have your attacking game top-notch to compete. Um, you have to be bullish and have a bit of doggedness up front, good set piece, all that kind of stuff. And, and Connacht have proven that. I mean yeah. that respectfully. They're brilliant to watch. But look, you could argue and say they didn't get the results this season. They didn't qualify for the knockout. So um, where's my argument to say Connacht are a brilliant, this brilliant side? But they play very well. And I think Munster can play better, attack better, be better to watch. And I still think they have some of that you know, doggedness that we would want and expect we didn't see in the last two weeks, but comparing them to teams of old and trying to do that, I don't think they're doing that. Okay, sorry. Yeah. That's, no, I just fine, to clarify no. that. And, and that's a general team, though, Quinny, in a lot of the tweets that we got back. And GC replies, want to be positive, but hired no discernible progress. Two to three years, indeed, falling even further behind Leinster. Fundamental structure issues around the organisation and pathway for players. Not just coaching and players player issues with South Africa teams now commit future looks very tough Stephen Sisk time to rally around and get behind Roundtree and the players hopefully new centres will bring a more expansive option the young books will be a year wiser so there is hope and there's a lot about that there's a lot of let's look to the future you know we've had a lot of young players bled this year albeit maybe forced hand through COVID but it was just go, you know it makes you really excited to know that they can they can live to that level and I just think that's that you know, there that there is a lot of hope for what's coming, um, and I just hope people will be patient with it. To be fair, Ray O'Brien, solid season, extra ga- extra game special, 
Toulouse game exhausted the team physically and mentally. Coaching ticket, defensively epic, attack questionable at times, but the player management was world class as is Johan van Graan. That's his job, brought in talent, but with COVID it didn't play out well. It's good. Um, Peter Dooley, the end of season feeling is starting to become the norm over the last five seasons, tired of moral victories and there's always next season mentality. In my honest opinion, it's down to the school system in Leinster and in Leinster hire a few bias. So again, again, look, we, we've so many tweets and we, we, yeah. we get another couple off you, but um, and I've done this myself, let's be clear. The reality is the numbers are bigger in Dublin, the school system, all that kind of stuff helps a lot. But I still think Munster need to be better themselves and find a different way. Um, replicating Leinster and trying to do exactly what they do is, is next to impossible given just the stats and the facts and the numbers it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, are we a good bit behind? Is the gap bigger? Yes, but the gap is bigger with nearly most teams in Europe with Leinster. So yeah. there's no kind of shame in that. Um, but I still think, uh, and again, we'll talk about it more. I think more could have been gotten out of this team. Players yeah. and coaches have to take uh, the criticism of that. I think they've underperformed. Yeah, completely. Um, Fia Cunningham, we'll just go with a couple more as all. Good development of the young Irish players coming through, but the Irish team would show how far behind we are. The loose game showed what potentially is possible, but consistency is severely lacking and the ability to adapt to a plan B when plan A doesn't work is non-existent. That has been a huge um, thing for me stand out this year is our lack of consistency, our ability to play well one week and the following week not to. And I think... And I thought they built a little bit of momentum when they I got too. continuity and selection. So there has been reasons that the chopping and change and COVID injuries, internationals away, and they've struggled to, to cope and adapt to that. So if you have your best 20 players or 23 players and you know they're, they're quality players and they've been in the system for a while and they're able to adapt you take 7, 8, 10, 15 of them out, bring up the next number. I think that's caused a problem for sure. Mm. Um, it's caused a problem. And when you go down into the depth chart, then you have those issues. So I think that's caused a problem around the consistency. But um, yeah, we got some false hope, didn't we? The last, the extra yeah. Ulster, Toulouse. Um, not, look, false hope is wrong. Um, I think they showed what they're capable of what they're capable of in a much better way. They presented themselves in a much better way. And then obviously that changed for the last two. Go ahead. Not, you have a couple left and we'll move on. Yeah. So Lee Murphy, terrible season. The decision to stick with Johan Van Grant till the end of the season was a shocker and the suits are a bit, at fault big time. And Mike Hennessy, there are positives in young lads like Josh, Candela and Hodnett and Ahern established themselves as senior guys. But the whole season was ruined by the last two performances. Glad it's over. Looking forward to next season. Divided 3-2-1 questions need to be asked about Eno Flanagan. Is he really a rugby man with a deep knowledge of the game and culture in the province or just a serial CEO who's heading up a company that so happens to play sport? See, that's a very difficult... I think that's a very difficult thing because it is a business, realistically. You know what I mean? And I just don't... I, I, yeah. I think I the, the idea of, of, of bringing somebody in um, because it is a commercial business as well. And I think um, 
of course, Ian Flanagan is the CEO. He's got he's the boss basically. So he's got to you know make decisions around all these structures and committees underneath him and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think the idea of and it's a little bit unfair at times that he's not a rugby man because you've got a business to run as well. So I think the possibility and need maybe to bring in a director of rugby is something that I know is being speculated about. And again, speculated and spoken about. And I'm hearing that that's something that's on the, the agenda, which may help to get a rugby person to really look at who's coming through the academy, the club game, the school's game, trying to get more of a connection. How do you go out and find more John Hayes who didn't play rugby till he was 19? Um, is there a possibility to get out into the club game? We've seen, you know, the Witchleys come through, Gavin Coombs from, from Skibbereen. Um, uh, you know, we've seen some success there. Um, we I, seen... think, I think the fact that Ian Costello's come in now and they're starting to take definitely, a huge definitely. role in that pathway so clubs and schools, I've just been a noticeable difference, even from a coaching point of view within the province. We go in on you know these CPE days, which would never have happened before, and it's trying to share as much knowledge and value to, to coaches so that filtered down the system, it's a case of, well, if you implement good coaches into schools and clubs from an underage perspective, then once you will reap the reward at a senior level. So I, I do think... That can't be a quick fix. And he's also trying okay. to do a lot of work. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Well, what I would love, Maeve, and I think the fans maybe, they don't have ownership of Munster Rugby, let's be honest. But I would love some sort of um, plan that's kind of made public that, not, not not everything, but just a plan and a structure that, even if it's coming from, from Graham um, about, aspirations, goals. I'm sure we'll get that, but just some sort of a plan about how we need to improve the clubs. I know you don't want to air your dirty laundry in public, but it's just, look, here's what we need to be better at. Um, the connection with the schools, the club game, uh, the coaching in, in, in our de- with our development officers around the province, um, the women's game, right, right through just a little bit more of a, tr- a little bit of a transparency of a plan. And so we can all understand to say, well, look, I'm sure all this stuff is happening, right? And I give, I know it's happening. And I know that there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes. And I know the powers that be in Monster Rugby are not happy. And in fairness, they've resourced the team well in the last number of years. There's outside money has come in to bring in some big, big name players. Um, Damien Dialendic, Snyman have been, you know, they could have been game changers. Obviously, RG Snyman, it hasn't worked out. Hopefully it will next year. And it's not all doom and gloom. I think there's there's definitely um, there's definitely room to improve. I think there's we should be a bit excited. We'll talk about that at the end. But let's move on. Um, there's a possibility of a director rugby, which wouldn't be a bad thing in my eyes. Um, let's talk on. Move on. Just analyze the match quickly. We won't stay on it too long because we have to talk about the coaches, players leaving, and stuff like that. And then. Um, uh, players coming in. So Ulster 36 17. Um, Munster conceded five tries. Uh, they scored three. Let's be honest, the key third tries were consolations in the end. Um, the performance was baffling at times. And I was, I was in shock as people who were at the game or at home, Munster fans. The amount of knock ons, drop passes, Poor penalties, um, missed tackles, 
the body language just disintegrated. I think they had moments in the first half where they looked, God, yeah. They conceded the early try. Um, again, it was uh, you know quick tap penalty. You could say Alex Kandel and Finian Witcherly, Josh Witcherly, they were involved in a bit of a scuffle. Should have been back in their line. Of course that, but look, it happens. I didn't think it was the end of the world conceding that try. But I... And Munster went up the field, John Klein scores um, to give him a little bit of a lift. Then they had a couple of great opportunities, pressure, but seemed to turn the ball over every time they got yeah. to 22. And then that the pattern and the picture of the game changed, Neve. Ulster yeah. just changed gears. And I was shocked and flabbergasted by <laughs> the skill set of the Munster players. Take nothing away from Ulster. We know they're very, very dangerous. We spoke about it last week, their back line. But I thought... I thought it was an incredibly disappointing end to the season. Uh, what went wrong, in your opinion? And yeah, I, I thought it was it was it was abject. I thought it was really really poor. Um, epitomised and, and and this is a, an example. So before any of these shoots me down, it was an example. If you go back and look at the wide angle of Stuart Moore, Moore's first try off off a set piece, and it's Kendellan, Joy Carberry, Damon Delende, Chris Farrell coming up off a line out, and um, ball. Delande just bites in, ball goes outside him at the back and Kandelin is bursting his hole to try and get back and make a tackle and Delande is jogging slash walking. And that for me epitomised and summarised where they were mentally for that game because it takes no hard work and no detail to get off your hole and work very hard. And I felt at times during that game there were players that didn't do that and I think that that's probably why it's so disappointing. I think the last two weeks, I, 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 I think we as supporters, maybe in pundits and whatever we are, definitely overestimated or underestimated, sorry, the, the, the mental toll that Toulouse game must have taken out of them. And because their inability to bounce back for the last two weeks I, in I'm terms of bu- energy. I know. Um, I know what you're is, saying. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that oh, we're mentally and physically exhausted. They're well played professionals. I, I don't. I don't think pressure. it's exhaustion. I no. just think it's 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 confidence. I don't know what it is, but I just felt the other day it was so inaccurate. It was so frustrating to watch, and but I was really glad to, to hear Johan after the game. You know, Marcus talking about you know what 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 your highlights and 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 you know of your time here, and he's like, I'm, we're not talking about that. We're actually just going to speak about how disappointing that performance was, and we were not good enough from from every aspect, and they weren't, and. It's sometimes I, I, you know, the way the almost like the, the harder you try, the worse it gets. I felt like we, we were doing that, and we spoke before we came on here, like the last couple of days, about you know how we work this podcast out, and we talk about highlights and, and players that did well and never, you know, and and things that didn't didn't go well. When you look at individuals, and you talk about players that did well this season. There were lots of players that did really really well. The lack of cohesion as a team, as a unit, was a huge point for me, a point of difference. And that just showed again the weekend. So is, is that down to the coaches? I think it's down to everybody. It's down to the whole thing. And I think since yeah. Joran announced he's, he's, he's moving and Stephen Larkham, I think it has had an effect. Um, and it has been exhausting. I, think, I go back to what Andy Dunn said during the season um, at one stage about Munster. I think it was after the Exeter game, the former Leinster fly half. Um, and he's a good analyst, um, to be fair. And he's been yeah, very, he is. Yeah, yeah, very fair, fair to Munster. He said Munster are exhausting to watch. Um, and they are exhausting to watch. And at times, 
And the highlights this season were Scarlet's away. Um, you know, in Europe was very good. I think obviously Wasps away with the young players. The cast games, even though they were not great affairs to watch, um, job done. Be, you know, winning in France against Cast um, at the end with the, the Coombs try, great. Um, the Wasps home game, very dominant. Um, and then you're kind of going to Europe and you're saying, well, Exeter away, the doggedness, the fight, the passion showed there. The game should have been gone away from them. Um, then back in Thomond Park, really, really good performance. Toulouse, Ulster away. But, you know, you're talking about five or six performances and a lot of kind of drab performances and, and performances that have not been good enough. Um, the ob- the that's, big that's, obvious- that's the thing that we just spoke about. It's that yeah. consistency, that lack of cohesion, that okay. players... Absolutely. The skill set, Dave, in my opinion, it's not good enough. So that's down to the coaches. Okay. So you're talking about players not being, you know, should be doing this, should be doing that. They should be catch passing. I think the timing, and we've seen at crucial stages throughout all these matches this year, it hasn't been good enough. So what has Stephen Larkham done? I, I see very little of what Stephen Larkham has done. I do think Stephen Larkham would stand back to me and say, well, um, you know, our forwards have been beaten or we weren't getting quality ball or, the, you know, the games we played were in the wet conditions. There's loads of arguments, but I just think from brilliant conditions in Ulsterans and, and Belfast on Friday night, skill set, shocking. Are the players good enough? And I would say, um, again, I wouldn't start naming players. And I think they've all put their hand, wore their heart on their sleeve and tried their best. But no, the reality here is on the evidence of what we've seen to win competitions like the URC and the European Cup, which I don't think the attitude should change as regards our desire 20, to win them. I, I, I don't buy the enough. argument that the players aren't good enough. When you look at a backline that's stacked with internationals, you know, or have been capped. I think the argument for me is that they're 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 good enough individually. They're not good enough as a team, and why they're in they, why, why, why haven't we more players in the Irish team then? Because they're, they're not performing well. Because they're not team. good enough. But they've what, what I'm saying is they've all been like Conor Murray, Craig Casey, Joy Carberry, Damien Delande, Chris Farrell. Keith Earls, Andrew Conway, and Mike Haley have all been capped. I know so, some of them are. So are I'm saying that they are, yeah, they are they, good, but they are underperforming. And there's the question: Are they underperforming from a coaching point of view or a player point of view? And and the answer, the simple answer is that you either, you and I can't answer that because we're not standing in the middle of the camp. We're not standing in the middle of the transition, going this transition isn't good enough, or we're not standing in the space where we're like that player isn't isn't performing okay. well enough. I, I just want to clarify. Yeah, are they good enough? That sounds very very blunt and and unfair. I mean, are they good enough at the top level of the other teams you're playing? Well, I kind of base it on how many internationals we have. I know these guys have been capped, and on paper, Munster's best fifteen, and uh, with no injuries would be a handful for anyone and capable of beating anyone. But I mean, just depth. Have we good enough players? We don't. We don't have the depth. You know, the team that went out the other night against um, against Ulster, how many would start for Ireland? You, you know, I, that's where we're at. And that's the kind, we're trying to scrape in the barrel here, trying to find that. There's very good players. Chris Farrell is a brilliant player, has been on and off the Irish team for a couple of years. But, you know, it's tough on the likes of Chris when his team are not performing. It's tough on the likes of Mike Haley, who's trying to get through. And, and 
play for Ireland. If Ireland, if Munster are winning and, and, and you're going to have more players in the Irish tour. So it, I do agree with you. The collective thing helps each other. And, you know, when we were winning in Munster, it was just like 15, 16, 17 guys up with Ireland because they were getting opportunities and the team was playing really well. So, of course, I agree with you entirely that collectively they're not helping each other. And then individually, they're probably trying to force it and um, it's, it's difficult for them. So, yeah, it's, it works both ways. Um, confidence, again, is something that seems to have deserted them. I think the body language and the attitude probably wasn't good enough the other night. Um, they didn't... Yeah, that big I, time. Like, speak, and you know what? This is going to sound so stupid and people are going to be like, this one hasn't a clue. When you talk about celebrating small wins, so big knock-on or big turnovers and big tackles, and everybody's like full of confidence or full of energy. They're over and they're high-fiving each other. And it's like almost, you know, uh, a bit, it's almost as good as a score. Big thing for me the other day, which was very noticeable, was their body language in terms of if somebody made a mistake, nobody went over and picked them up. I was like, come on, we're going again. Let's go. Next ball. We're moving on. That collective, that that, that understanding, that that mentality where they're they're willing to work for each other. They're willing to... You know, if somebody makes a mistake, you just put an arm around them. And I'm not saying like, you know, we're hand, like, have, you know, give them a big hug. And no, it's you pick them up off the floor, you go next ball, and you, you, you explain to them that, like, it's okay, we've got your back. There didn't seem to be that the other night. There didn't seem to be that last week. And that for me would be something that I have a question as to why. And, and I think leadership is another thing. A lot of people said to me, um, there didn't seem to be any leadership in the last two weeks in those kind of crucial moments. Um, look, I don't know, Neve. It's it's very frustrating, and we don't have a magic wand to say this is all fixed. I do believe that, and the reason, if any of the players hear this or listen to this or the coaches, I think they're the reason we're saying this stuff is because I think they should be. They're capable of better. They're capable of being more consistent. So they need to really have a look at themselves and figure out, well, where am I going here with my monster career? Am I just taking a box? Um, I desire to win, but can it be better? Paul O'Connell used to always say to us in the group, and that's why he was such a great captain and leader, not, not just to the international players, but he used to try and instill this to the younger players or the guys who are never going to be internationals, but really good provincial players. Find your pain threshold um, and go beyond that and, and keep trying to go beyond it, beyond it, beyond it in the way you train, doing the fitness. Like we had guys who played who didn't get to play very much, but were incredibly important to the group as regards attitude, turning up, doing the fitness sessions, you know, uh, been a defender in most of, their, the, most of the whole season, holding tackling pads. But, you know, just having an incredible attitude, turning up with that desire and that fight and that professionalism. And I'm not saying that they haven't turned up like this, but maybe the players themselves in the group have to try and say, right, we've had a really tough time. It's been difficult. No one is enjoying this. We can be better. Let's train harder. Let's become harder on each other. Let's not accept these mistakes and errors in training. And, you know, they won't happen as often in the matches. And, you know, so trying to find a pain threshold. And that's, he was an incredible leader, obviously, probably one of the best. Um, you know, Mick always always said to his captains, our body language was so important look like winners, even if we were in the most daunting situation, the south of France, doing a little half a lap of the pitch, soaking up the abuse and the, 
and and uh, the atmosphere against the French, showing that we were there for a fight consistently. He always wanted that. Um, you know, Axel was a great captain as well. You know, doing your job, turning up. Um, and I'm not saying Peter's been a brilliant captain, and and he's 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 fighting his I desire. I feel like he's kind of on his own though. Yeah, well, that's the problem. So they need to find yeah. some leadership. Players need to step up here. Um, the performance was really, really disappointed. They've got to take that in the chin. Um, conceding five tries, but the way they played, it wasn't close. That it just the game got away. It's almost from like they switched off. And I hate saying this because we question professionalism, and I would never do that. But like, you know, they have two weeks off now before they head off to either New Zealand or their new clubs or their, you know what I mean, and. I was all, yeah, I just feel like they'd switched off and that's probably just the most difficult thing yeah. to probably understand why. There's, there's a new coaching team coming in. We'll t- chat yeah. about them in a minute. I think there needs to be a line in the sand and there needs to be an incredibly hard kind of agreement between new coaches, new players about the standards they're going to set for themselves. And the reality is here, Neve. there's every possibility that we'll be chatting this time next year again and there may not be a trophy. But... We need to see them get the best out of themselves. And I yeah. don't think we've seen that this year. And I don't think we've finished on a high. We haven't finished on a high. And I think they're better than that. So I, yeah, I agree. It's kind of like what Roger, I, what Roger used to always say to me as a player, he'd actually lambaste me for making a mistake, doing something stupid. But he'd always kind of be able to finish and say, I know you're better than that. And that's kind of like incredible leadership as regards, you're having to cut off somebody, but you're also telling them you believe in them. And that's, we're lacking a bit of that. We're lacking a bit of presence. Um, the team is lacking a bit of character, really. Um, talk to talk, um, but we haven't walked the walk this year. And that's the reality, you know. Um, you can focus on the media and focus on the criticism and focus on the people who've criticised you on around Christmas and um, ex-players, um, all this kind of stuff, jumping on the bandwagon. But, you know, shut the ex-players up, shut the media up. By winning matches and turning up, Lose a close match. There's no, like, going to Belfast was always going to be a difficult match and it was always going to be a toss of a kind, I thought, who'd win it. But listen, you know, after 20, 30 minutes, it just went the other way. So the argument back from from the players, if they want to have an argument, or coaches, is we're dealing in what we've seen. And what we've seen hasn't been good enough in the last few weeks. Um, It's a shame, really, because I do like... Um, and, you know, I think we'll bin the match because that's the best scenario. Just Johan van Grand, Stephen Larkham, JP Ferreira are leaving. They're leaving in a negative, which is sad because I genuinely believe that if all um, turned up, they've been very professional. They've been, um, you know, they're good guys. They're nice people. Um, but that's the, the nature of professional sport at the top end. You take the, the top jobs and, and, and you're going to get pressure. And, um I don't, what, the, the Johan van Graan era sounds like, you know, he's, um, it sounds like a very negative kind of term. But again, it's been disappointing, I think, as regards the results. And in Johan's defence, again, I go back to the quality internationals, number of internationals on the Irish team, the number of players available at different times, the injuries have hampered him. Uh, 2017, two, uh, beaten by, lost the final away to Leinster in the Pro 14 and 
lost the semi-final to Racing um, in France. Two, two kind of, Leinster beat him 16-15, Racing 27-22. That was his first season. Uh, 2018-19, lost to Saracens in the semi-final. Again, an incredibly powerful Saracen side. Lost to Leinster in the league semi-final. Uh, knockout games again, that's, you know, knocking on the door and being there, thereabouts, yeah. getting a taste of it. 19-20, didn't qualify for the knockout stage to Europe, which was obviously hugely disappointing. And lost to Leinster in the Pro 14 semi-final again. Uh, 2021, uh, highlight for me was that Claremont game in, in Europe yeah. away. Uh, lost to Leinster in the Pro 14 final. That was a real negative, that 16-6 game. Um, I just thought it was, they never really fired a shot in that game. Um, you say you lost lost the game by 10 points, but just chasing the game, they weren't able to do that. And uh, it was very frustrating. Lost to Toulouse, a brilliant game, 40-33 in Thomond Park last year um, against the, the eventual winners. I think bar a couple of mistakes, they could have beaten them. Um, and this season, obviously, I think the highs were winning the first four games in your in in the pro in the URC, which was a really important. Cast home and away the Toulouse game, um, even though they were out heartbreakingly in the in with the kick the kicks. Um, the highlight was probably beating Wasp. That was that was an incredible performance. So, no trophy. I feel sorry for him. I I have we progressed. I saw signs of progression at times. Um, after Claremont last year, there was a lot of talk that now it's starting to click for Stephen Larkham and his attack. Um, but there's been times this year where it's just been so inconsistent and one week you think it's brilliant and the next week you're going, my God, we're not even passing the ball here. We're just kicking the letter off it. So um, I wish you on well and, and, and Stephen Larkham, JP Ferreira. They're probably not happy that uh, we have to do this kind of a job and analyse it, but... The reality out there is um, it was a sad end for them. And I feel sorry for Johan in particular because he's he's a lovely man and I know he's tried to do his best, but it hasn't worked. Yeah, look, I think <clears throat> there's loads in that quality, to be fair. And I think I think Johan will be the first to, to tell you not to feel sorry for him. He's He understands sport um, and you're hitting the end of the head as a person. He's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And both, you know, Stephen and, and JP are the same. From a rugby point of view, they'll be very aware that um, their whole reign was blighted with inconsistencies. And, and that's probably the biggest thing. You know, we've had some incredible highs, but also some some dark days as, as from supporters and, and, and they have had as, as coaching and players. And I think trying to find that that understanding of why those inconsistencies came. And I think... You know, Munster was probably Johan's first big role as a, a head coach. You know, he had come from um, South Africa, obviously, and, and, and been an assistant coach down there. And um, and I'm sure he'll go to Bath as a better coach, having learned a, a huge amount of what works and what doesn't. Um, and, and But you're right, I think, that did we get the best out of this coaching group? No. Did we get the best out of these players? No. And that's ultimately, you know... That's facts, and I think that that's probably the most disappointing thing. And that's unfortunately the legacy that that they leave behind. And I feel, I feel sorry that that is the case for them. Obviously, uh, for Munster fans, and and the way that it's kind of finished up. 
I do think that um, the way the whole departure and all that kind of stuff, um, um, there was a contract offered and um, it was accepted and then it changed. And there's obviously reasons there. Johan obviously was frustrated and maybe he's frustrated with some of some situations that we don't know about. Uh, maybe he'll talk about that someday, but uh, we can only judge what we've seen in the field for the last number of years. And uh, a lot of disappointments, I think. But I just think this season is kind of feels like one of the worst one. Do you know what I mean? And it's a shame that it's ended like that. I just think the last few weeks. For me, the loss of Scarlets in the Pro in the Pro 16 or whatever it was back then in 2018, I think when they won that, that was that for me was one of the, 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 the toughest because I think that that was a prime opportunity for Ireland to go or for Munster to go and win. That was 17. A trophy, was, 17. Yeah. yeah, yeah and it was, I think that that was a huge opportunity lost. That was, um, yeah, look, there's, there's, there's a lot of disappointment there and it's a shame. Players leaving, Damien Dialende, John Ryan, Kevin O'Byrne, Chris Clothin, Matt Galler, Jake Flannery, Jason Jenkins. So we've got to acknowledge that um, they're leaving, wish them well, they're moving on. To uh, especially pastures. for, in my opinion, for, for John Ryan and Kevin O'Byrne, I think. Um, obviously, you know, it's very difficult for, for it's very difficult for all of them. But I think those two players, especially, you know, are monster born and bred. They epitomise, they've played a huge amount of games. I was really surprised to see Kevin O'Byrne being left go, to be honest, and not see him play too much this season. I thought he was really, really good before he had that injury last season. And um, but you know, they're steeped in monster. Um, and it's, it's that's no disrespect to the others. You know, obviously Jake's come up to the to the through that academy and it's coming a really difficult time where there's a lot of good tens coming in there and I, I really hope that he goes well at Ulster to be fair watched him a couple of times here for Shannon and thought he's been very really good so but um, yeah look I think it's been it's, it's for those two players especially I'm sure it's quite an emotional evening on Friday knowing you know that's that, that's how it's finished for them. Yeah, it's very sad. And uh, for 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 I played John Ryan was there when I was there. I played with him. He's been around a long fella. time, so yeah. he is a lovely fella. Um, the injuries in the last couple of weeks to Jack Daly. I want to wish him well because I, I forgot we yeah. forgot to say that the injury against Leinster. I think he's an incredibly promising player, um, and he's gone for knee reconstruction as well. So I wish him well. Thomas Ahern's injury. Um, we're not. We haven't really got an update on that. I hope he's okay. And Jeremy Barnhart. Uh, damaged his elbow as well it's the hard part of it it was a really disappointing night for him we've got to say because we have some Ulster fans good luck to Ulster they were brilliant yeah absolutely they were they, super they, they were brilliant um, three players coming in Malachi Fekitoa Anton Frisch and Chris Moore he's a 19 year old from Exeter University as I said he's Irish qualified so uh, new coaches Graham Roundtree Andy Kiriakou Mike Prendergast Dennis Leamy uh, there may be some more additions around um and maybe a director will be, who knows? But look, I think we've got to leave it there, Neve. Um, it's been a long season. It's been, uh, we were hoping we'd be finishing on a high or talking about getting into a final or something like that, but it hasn't happened. Um, and look, I just want to acknowledge Johan again. I think he is a lovely man and it's, uh, I'm, I'm sad for him as well. I'm disappointed for him that he couldn't leave um you know, getting into a final and really, really having a go and getting one of those Toulouse-type performances, even if they lost, um, which we think, I think Leinster will be the one in the final. It would have been lovely to have a real crack off them in a final and, and perform and get one of those kind of passionate uh, kind of performances. Um, he showed incredible emotion. He was he, He's obviously hurt after Toulouse and he'd be disappointed. So, look, I want to wish him well. Um, 
and the other players and coaches leaving as well. JP Ferreira has been here a number of years as well, so a very nice man as well, and I wished him well going forward. So um, we kind of have to draw a line in the sand, um, hope that there is some positivity and that we see some change and um, a bit of a, a bit of hope, really. And there's always hope. It's only sport. It's not the end of the world. Um and uh, we, we, we look forward to the start of the season again with Monster. That's it, uh, episode 35. I want to thank all the listeners um, this season. We'll be back again next season. We might be back in a couple of weeks, maybe, and we might do one more. But it's more than likely probably the last uh, Red 78 for this season. Um, get in touch anyway after the pod here. You can leave some comments. At least we'll see them anyway. And uh, that's it. Uh, so for me, Alan Quinlan and... I want to thank you, Neve, for all your contributions. And of course, all the fans who've, who've, uh, and supporters who've tweeted in this year and got involved and, and all the guests we've had on as well. So that's it. Thank you for listening and thank you, Neve. Thanks, Green. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. Mm.